You're listening to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest today is Edie Fake, the uh, cartoonist behind Gaylord Phoenix, uh, as well as the Foie Gras Minis. And uh, what else am I forgetting? The Gay Utopia strip you did? Yeah, I guess um, I, I've done like zines and one-off comics. There was one called Unisex a couple years ago, and another one called Rico McTaco, which is named after a restaurant down the street for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that name. I know, I did too. I, I was like, what? Are you... Rico McTaco? Who came up with this one? Let's go for some Rico McTaco. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like you got to have your hair greased the right way to even get in there. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Reminds me of a Weird Al Yankovic song, and I'll drop it there. Um, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Rico Suave. Mm, yes, okay. <laughs> cool. Was it Weird Al or was that? A, I, I can't remember. Um, so Gaylord Phoenix came out, what, it six months ago? Yeah, it, it came out at the Brooklyn Fest. Okay. Uh, so December, I guess? Yeah, beginning yeah. of December. Yeah. You weren't actually there for it, though, were you? Just I was. Look. Oh, okay. Yeah, were you there? I was. Aha. Uh-huh. The thing was such a craziness, though. I was uh, manning my publisher's table, so I had a chance to, like, occasionally I'd run out because uh, Zach Soto was sharing my table with me, and so he'd watch things, and I'd run out and buy things and then run back because it was just such a madhouse. Yeah, it was a madhouse. I feel like I would... Uh, hang out. Uh, Gabby was also at the Secret Acres table, and we just, uh, you know, crab cake along, and then get fed. <laughs> and then, but yeah, exactly. Like scamper out and see what else is going on. It's just one day, so it feels like more of a much more of a frenzy than some of the other things. Mm-hmm. At least at Teacaf, you have that like extra day to wander around. Yeah, yeah, you can be like, was... I got a plan. <laughs> yeah. No, this was just all chaos. I kind of hope they keep it one day, though. I like that aspect. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely, yeah. <laughs> it's just all there. Done. It's over. Yep. Get it. Over it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Gaylord Phoenix really is your biggest piece of work. Um, and you'd been doing it as mini-comics originally before the book came out? Yeah. Um. I guess the mini-comics started around, like, 2002 is when I began those and they would come out like one a year until uh, I uh, went on permanent vacation and then there was like a four year hiatus between number four and number five and then the book collection <laughs> so it's a weird it's been like a weird order but yeah they, as originally as minis did you originally intend to do a book of it or was it just something you're doing for your personal self to just kind of get it out there yeah, no, I no intention of, uh, at first, of a, a book. And it's, like, when Secret Acres approached me, um, they had sent me a letter that I hadn't received, and so they came up to a table I had at Ape, I think, and they were like, oh, would you ever think of putting it in a book? And I didn't, you know, I didn't know that they were publishers, so I was like, ah, I like, I like publishing, self-publishing, it's great. Um, <laughs> and then uh, six months later, I, you know, I got all my mail and I called them up and they were like, oh, we thought you weren't interested. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, no, I love making, you know, zines and mini-comics, so that's kind of, that's that's all I could hope for. And But I'm, you know, it's like that it's a book, too. Wow. <laughs> I'm really curious about the style that you have within the book, because it's like, um, at one part you're really doing like a post Fort Thunder thing but I kind of see that like your capabilities are well beyond how you're drawing it in parts does that make sense I sort of like the way like you use kind of like a brute art form to it like a like kind of a rougher style to it than like because I see like other stuff, and you, you can definitely, like, you're very capable of doing different types of art styles. Yeah. I guess it, um, yeah, especially when it started, it was much more of, 
I feel like the way that I drew was much more immediate and less mapped and more like, okay, and now I'm going to scrawl it. And uh, I guess, you know, uh, when I started, I just moved to Chicago from uh, four years uh, in Providence at RISD. Okay. It was sort of during that time where, you know, uh, there was a huge burst of comics and printing and film and just activity, you know, tons of shows and a lot of, you know, vitality there. So I feel like I was, you know, making drawings in that context and then started a comic. And I think that, like, around around the middle of the book is when I started a tattoo apprenticeship. And drawing for that made me such an uptighty, you know, like... Um, just really, I think, I think maybe that's the shift that you're talking about, oh, okay. or yeah. kind of where where the style goes a different place. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's how I draw now. And there's a temptation to redraw all the starting stuff, but I don't even know. I don't, you know, like how could I? I don't know how I could pull off drawing a diamond with wings now I can't do that <laughs> just, I'm like I don't want to redraw that let that be what it was and well there's, a, there's <laughs> it, it, it's kind of appropriate though because the book is in a way like a journey and yeah. you know it kind of fits with that context of it starting in a certain way and definitely ending in a different way yeah so. totally and I think that when I read it through I'm like well there, it definitely like there's not drawing continuity through the whole thing, which is <laughs> sort of a weirdo thing for a book, but it it also, like, you know, it's a collection, too. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it, it isn't as weird as people would think. Yeah. Just as fact, because, like, I don't know, how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I just turned 30, or not just, but I am, I'm 30. Okay. So this would have really been during quite a lot of like formative transition in your work or as like growing into your style more like post art school so totally. you would see you know you can't stay the same at 23 as you would at 30 yeah it covers like a pretty dramatic chunk of time mm-hmm. yeah well tell me about your background you went to went to RISD um, were you doing comics then when you decided to go there or was that for a different discipline? I mean, I feel like I was doing... I was doing... Making more... Like, I grew up in a house where my dad self-published, so I was always making zines as a kid, too. And, like... Um, I guess maybe coming... Coming to things like always drawing comics, but also more in the... I don't know if there should be such a great divide between the two, but maybe, like, a more zine approach. Like, here's a thing I did. Wrote, drew... Yeah. Put on a piece of Xerox paper and it out into the world. So I, I guess I was doing comics then. Um, I was focusing on filmmaking and animation oh, okay. um, at school, and then also doing a lot of printmaking and art history. So that would be where the silt screen covers are coming from? Yeah, well, uh, yep, exactly. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, it's, um, <laughs> yeah. Did, was the uh, experience at the Rhode Island good, like, beneficial towards your practice? Yeah, for sure. I think it also, like, um, I don't know, I was definitely, like, a big weirdo in high school, too, you know, and so, uh, it was a good, 
I feel like that school was just a bunch of, or like Providence at that time was a bunch of weirdos, and it and still is, you know, a weird time. Um, but uh, it had a real work ethic too, you know, where people were like, "Oh yeah, I can spend my day making this thing." I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great way to think." <laughs> <laughs> Who so I think it. Oh, that? Go ahead. No. Uh, yeah. No. I just. I feel like it. You know, shaped my work practice really dramatically. Did you have uh, many like artistic contemporaries or people you hung out with there that would like push you artistically? Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like uh, I'm I'm good friends with uh, this artist Joe Deary, who sometimes does comics, and I feel like uh, we did we used to collaborate on these movies with live soundtracks that were really um, kind of slapdash, but also really uh, fun and good, like, exercises in filmmaking, and just in, in terms of drawing in general, like, um, my friend, this painter, uh, Sam Lopes, uh, is a really good person to hang out with and draw and just feel like, oh yeah, I do know how to draw, and drawing takes you someplace. So, yeah, no, it, I, I feel like, uh, I'm still good friends with a fair amount of people I met in that mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you, you started Gaylord Phoenix while there, um, was it just kind of, like the original, was it really kind of improvisational comics, just kind of taking it wherever it goes, or do you have something particular in mind of what you wanted to do with it? Yeah, I guess um, I started it with this, like, um, I, don't, I mean, I really love Providence, but I always, I I feel like I felt like it was kind of like a straight scene, too, or, you know, uh, that, and also, like, that was, um, that was kind of where I started reading a lot of, like, underground comics. I'm like, oh, I love comics so hard. But they also seem to exist in this, like, uh, heterosexual context mm -hmm. in this way. And also, like, a really, like, um, I couldn't help but feel, you know, I'm like, oh, whoa, these comics are all written like it's a man's world or something. Yeah, heterosexual male yeah. context. Yeah. And I guess, you know, there's that, like, there's that crazy feeling in underground comics where it's, like, all this, like, sexually visceral stuff, and but also, like, this feeling that not much of it is, like, you know, some of it is violent and some of it is weird and some of it is, like, totally amazing and perverted, but, like, not a lot of it is decidedly queer. And so, I don't know, I, I think I decided to start drawing comics because I was like, oh, I think I can, I can, I want to put this world in a queer context or bring a queer context to this kind of... Um, visual play, I guess. Had you seen uh, gay comics at all? The the underground series. Oh well, yeah. I guess I'd seen some of it, but I um or like there's a couple of collections of those, right? Or yeah, I've got one collection at least, but there's like a bunch of issues of it too. I was curious about it because I like to me, I look at it and it feels really dated. Yeah. And it doesn't really kind of picture or kind of capture modern culture. 
And I hate, like, I don't, I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't really, like, um, I think it's really hard to pull off, like, like, a, a gay joke that's like, oh, and this is how, you know, like, this is the way gay is, or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, it just, I, I don't know, you know, I, I um, I feel like, uh, for a while, I was hooked on reading uh, Dykes to Watch Out For. I thought that that did a good job of that kind of thing. But otherwise, like, it's really it's really a hard thing to... Or I'm always like, wait, wait, I feel like I'm reading the newspaper or something. Yeah. Well, also, Dykes to Watch Out For, it is from one particular point of view that's not a necessarily a catch-all. Yeah, totally. To, like, it's, uh... It doesn't feel dirty. Does that sound right? <laughs> like, you know, it's like there's there's a lot yeah. more, like, vitality to the culture than necessarily um, Dykes to Watch Out For jumps into. Like, it's a lot safer, maybe. Yeah, or I think it goes, like, it goes some funny places, for sure. And it's, But it's like reading a soap opera, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. I would never speak ill of that comic. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do, you, what do you think it is about uh, queer culture that really is is underrepresented beyond just the heteronormative um, kind of milieu like what do you see specifically that needs representation I think that there's like a weirdness of it and like a, a decadence not a de well like just sort of this like visual like making something of nothing or like this perversion or like not I mean yeah pervert style like I feel like there's like yeah there's like a weirdness and like a sexiness to it that is hard to put into words which is why I feel like erotic writing fails a lot is because it tries to do too much you know explaining mm -hmm. um or it, yeah it's like where you could see a super amazing um like, say, like, drag performance or something. I used to live around the corner from uh, this uh, bar, Aunt Charlie's, in San Francisco. And <laughs> the first the time name. I went... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and the first time I was there, um, this 75-year-old uh, drag queen, the lady with the liquid spine, um, <laughs> performed a Celine Dion song. Uh, it's all coming back to me now. And it was, like, it was, like, the most magical beyond words before I was crying my eyes out and I was just like oh my god oh my god there was like red carpet and mirrors and just like tawdry tinsel and her being some crazy witch you know yeah to Celine Dion song and I feel like that was, I was like that, this is beyond words this is magical this is like queer magic and I think that there's something um you know, there's like an energetic bursting forth that is really hard to convey, like a cultural bursting forth that is hard to convey in like gay comics or something mm -hmm. without like falling back on this like, on like very like archetypal, archetypal, you know, like a dandy or a queen or a dyke or, you know, like all these characters that are part, are part of something, but it's like a greater energy. Yeah. That's why what makes uh, Pride Parade so fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> why? Like, why do I always go like a a toy? Like, I don't know. I go to like Pride Parades with like this totally like 
crab cake face on where I'm like, I hate it. Why is there a Pepsi float? And then, like, there's so much weirdos and there's good vibes. And, like, I always end with, like, a real stupid grin on my face. <laughs> like, okay, it's okay. In, uh, good energy. in Vancouver, the uh, Pride Parade's the only actual, like, real parade in the city. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like... You know, it's still, it's the Pride Parade uh, with full, like, pomp and revelry. <laughs> uh, but, you know, people are bringing their kids and stuff because it's like, it's the only parade. Yeah. You know, there's totally. a, you know, parade full of leather bears or a yeah. you know, float of leather bears and, you know, yay! Yay! <laughs> That's great! <laughs> it's a family affair. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. So... This kind of energy, is that what you're looking to kind of bring together um, kind of formally or formalistically with Gaylord I Phoenix? I, I Maybe not formally, but it's definitely like part of the world energy that I want to put into it, you know? Well, Where I mean, I mean like formalistically, like, like as like, as the storytelling technique, like non-traditional, like more experimental... That's what I mean, I don't mean like formal. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think that it's definitely like it definitely was a story is a story that where I, I've let the kind of the energy of it guide itself along in this way. And doing it like episodically where I'm like, Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. So, did you have, like, a full thing in mind when you started, or is it just kind of going where it goes? I had a really loose arc, and then it sort of, it does, it goes where it goes from from there, yeah. Just does what it wants to do. It does what, (laughs) (laughs) it just, (laughs) it's a wildflower, it doesn't care where it grows. Just let the Gaylord Phoenix be and do what it wants. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I the planning that I do for it has been always like, um, like maybe I I feel like when I started it, I was like, oh well, I think it'll probably get there, and I want it to like cross through these environments, and then every time I've set out to do like a chunk of pages on it, like um, I do itty bitty tiny thumbnails that can totally get shoveled around or erased or, uh, you know, drawn out, I guess. So real loose planning goes into it, but then I'm a real, I, by the end, I've gotten to be a real uptidy about, like, sketching everything out and then inking it and then coloring it or, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um.
what is it about it that you feel captures that queer radiance? Is it just the the sexual implicitness? Is it the um, kind of lack of like specificity to the characters? Like it's just very open and vague. Yeah, I think that like um, keeping the sexual encounters on this like kind of perverse and definitely queer plane, and then also like I don't know, thinking about uh, genitalia <laughs> as um, as trans in this way, mm-hmm. where you can have something that's like um, penetrational or penetrated in this and non-specific and uh, food in this way. Yeah. And trying to think about uh, the sexual fluidity of bodies in the design of the characters and the experience of the characters I think is a big part of of how I I drew for this book. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how you use um, kind of trying to figure out the right way putting like the the organs are like almost like symbols which like takes away from a certain graphicness yeah to it like it really keeps it f- from being graphic because it's like they're just these symbols things going in and out of each other like not to the point of like trains going through you know tunnels or anything but like the way the interactions are happening like it's not like well here's uh here's some junk going into some other junk <laughs> Totally. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No, oh, it's, it's it is really interesting, and maybe touch on like what you mean for for folks that maybe don't know as much about what you're referring to with that trans component. Like, why is that important within a story of queer sexuality? Well, I guess I mean, I feel like when I st- when I started the comic too, I was starting to identify as, as trans and uh, also I, I just feel like a sort of a I don't know that like with you know like especially with underground comics you know you like see a lot of a lot of dicks you know you just <laughs> it's like <laughs> There's a lot of sex, and it's it's like pretty hetero shit, where it's like guys dealing with their dicks, and uh, you know I don't know I don't have that kind of body, but I do have like a weird sexuality, you know, mm. and I think it was it's sort of um, uh, talking about reimagining that and also uh yeah like um recontextualizing genitalia and sexual possibility I think is what I'm trying to do with I mean the characters kind of have the like most of them a lot of them have these like sort of uh they've always been (laughs) those macaroni (laughs) penises (laughs) (laughs) tubes Tubes. Tube dogs. Yeah, totally. And, um, yeah, so I I feel like I just sort of, I don't know, playing with shapes in these ways that, um, 
I, you know, I think that like patterns and shapes are very sexy. <laughs> <So> <laughs> um, part of the part of the series was just like, oh, shapes. What what happens between these shapes? And um, I guess that's part of the appeal of doing. Like I've done a few other zines called Foie Gras, and all of the the illustrations on those are like basically ripped off from Joy's cooking illustrations, but those, oh, man, those cookbook illustrations are, like, they're so sexy because they're basically, like, weird shapes going into other shapes called food or something where I'm just like, what? It's abstract and it's beautiful. And they're all being manhandled. <laughs> yeah, it's really queer. <laughs> <laughs> just hands all over everything. I know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, you totally like got me derailed. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, I I think like it's I I like how you did the 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 macaroni dongs. Um, because it really is a great way of like kind of using that metaphorical device. I guess the penis is a metaphorical device. Sorry if I'm getting too heady. Um, the penis has a metaphor. Well, like for for folks that don't know this, like I guess like a lot of like female to male trans, like mainly this this stuff. It's mostly like upstairs surgical procedures yeah. that happen. Um, you know, you just don't have the same operating capabilities as the male to female. I guess as far as like that kind of. Or it's definitely, I mean, it's different, and I, I feel like there's all, you know, the idea also of, like, like um, transitioning and using, like, a medical establishment to do that in, like, a set, set procedures or something is, uh, it's a strange one, you know? Like, I feel like I took hormones for a little while, and, and uh, then I think that I, I had to listen to my body telling me that I didn't want to. Yeah, which was like a hard decision to make, but I was just like, "Oh, yeah, uh, I can't do this." I, sorry, modern medicine. <laughs> <laughs> it's very complex. Yeah, it's and it's about, I mean, like it is like very much like claiming an identity in a queer space that you know. It, I think that there's a big part of that in Gaylord Phoenix, like claim, claiming a queer identity. Uh, and sexuality, um, and the, in the book it's more innate, but in my life I feel like it's, you know, it's visceral. <laughs> yeah, that's a good term. Um, <laughs> how has the book come across? Have you had much responses from folks engaging with it? Um, has it found a community that gets it? Yeah, I mean, I guess. Um, I feel I feel like it's been uh, really uh, just like through doing the mini comics and then having the book come out. It's been kind of amazing that people are like, "Oh yeah, I'm totally hooked on that story." And uh, I don't know from making mini comics. I'm just like, "Yeah, okay, cool. That I'm glad that that story makes sense too." <laughs> <laughs> um, it's I feel like uh, I don't know I. 
I try to stay off the internet when possible, but I've found that like a lot of reviews are like, this book isn't for everyone, and I'm like, <laughs> why not? Hey, why not? Yeah. <laughs> everyone can think about that. I mean, Paisley, you know, thinking about Paisley. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You had a lot of support within, like, kind of arty mini-comic news. Like, I know it's your Carried in Printed Matter, which is this, like, fabulous store in yeah. New York, which carries just... It's odd. I went there with Zach when we were in New York for Brooklyn just to kind of check it out, and I bought a bunch of crazy stuff. And uh, their procedures, like, you have to be approved by a committee in order for your work to be carried there. Yeah. It's it's sort of intense, but also like everyone who works there is a complete gemstone too. So, and and having my zines like having it there as a mini comic, I feel like I was like, oh yeah, Gaylord Phoenix is part of a large community of amazing queer zines that's happening, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, just part of like part of that. But yeah, printed matter is such an amazing store and project and it's been around and, for how many years like oh god i don't know uh i think since the 70s maybe that probably sounds right it's amazing yeah. though check it out if you go to new york that's uh yeah it's a good store to go into i was there and they I had this like free newspaper that like it was all just blow-ups of crumb illustrations or stuff from a sketchbook so it was just amazing I got like, that there too. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, wow, what is this? This looks amazing. Yeah. I'll take that and grab a bunch for my friends in Vancouver. They'll be happy with this. <laughs> so, oh, it was good stuff. What was their, uh, have you ever seen uh, Heather Benjamin's uh, Sad People Sex? No. Oh my god. It's a really, it's a great zine series of people uh, having sex and crying. <laughs> 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 They're just beautiful. I don't. I mean, it's <laughs> where's where's she out of? I think um, I want to say that she's in Brooklyn um, now, but maybe was in Providence for a while. I met her at the uh, New York Art Book Fair like a month before Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, but her zines are out of control. <laughs> With the release of the book, have you can at least getting in touch with more people that are doing some work, or you already kind of felt that out with the um, with the minis? I guess that with the release of the book, I've started and also like sort of um, I used to be kind of nomadic and like settling down a little bit. I'm starting to go back to like comics fests and at a table at things and like trade books with people a lot more so that's really awesome because I feel like I kind of dropped out of it for a minute and now I don't know and also like working at Quimby's I feel like I'm constantly like having to get in touch with people and being like I love your comic and so <laughs> I feel like I feel super connected right now to things just or and thing, things people I feel really connected to um, like just like being excited about comics and being uh, involved in like trading books with people and uh, trying to encourage or uh, 
encourage people in Chicago to buy amazing comics or find amazing comics. So, I don't know. It it feels super connected right now for me well, after a, a little bit of hermit time. <laughs> a store like Quimby's, there's got to be something said for uh, being named after uh, a Chris Ware character and whatnot. It yeah. must be. It must be good. <laughs> or sad. <laughs> it's more good than sad. <laughs> and it's actually like, it was like uh, a weird synchronicity too because the original owner uh, had a zine called Quimby's Magazine in Boston and then opened the store and called it Quimby's and then Chris Ware was living like a couple blocks away and it was like, I just drew this mouse named Quimby's. Oh, that's crazy. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, super crazy. <laughs> And so he did the, after that, he did the, the signage and whatnot. Yep, synergy. That's amazing. That's what we like to call it in the, in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you want to kind of take your comic work now that you've kind of accomplished Gaylord Phoenix? Uh, I feel like in terms of, like, illustration-wise, like, um, maybe in more abstract ways of, of storytelling mm -hmm. I guess or just kind of like still lives or still images carrying a story along almost um and then I don't know I want to I've been working on like small pieces about clowns but I feel like I like clown faces because they kind of melt into each other like there's no uh I don't know I, I feel like narrative kind of, like, drips through my fingers in this way. Like, I I don't have a solid grasp on it like some people do, where they're like, I am going to tell this solid story. And I'm like, I don't know if I know how to draw a panel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's definitely no paneling in uh, in Gaylord Phoenix. <laughs> no, it's all, it's all in the same cocoon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know, I think it's all, like, it's getting still, and it's getting, like, melted into each other, so, um, a bigger mess is what I'm going for in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I love, um, in that mess context, I love reading Gaylord Phoenix in as one book, I think, like, I don't know if I would read it the same as a bunch of minis, because it is just one long continuous like splendorousness of happenstance yeah I well I think that it I was really um, I guess when putting the book together I was like surprised by how nice of a good ramble it is to get them all at once where I was like ah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, there's uh, there may not be drawing continuity, but there's continuity. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, I, I don't know, I think that they also make for these nice little uh, episode objects. You know, like a comic book. There are some, like, uh, that it, it's just nice to hold as an issue, too, where you're like, oh, yeah, as a thing. Yeah, as episodic qualities in itself. I don't quite know everything that's going on, but what I do, though, from this little piece is really... Yeah, <laughs> a special thing. <laughs> um, 
Well, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today, Edie. Oh, yeah, thank you so much. Um, like I said, I really enjoyed for listeners, Gaylord Phoenix from the fine gentleman at Secret Acres. Uh, one of the better, newer publishers coming out right now. You've got some some fine, fine company <laughs> there. And uh, I, I like that they're taking chances with, with books like your, cell, your book and, uh, and Gabby's uh, monster book. Oh. Yeah, they they have a really good, strange taste. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's uh no, it's funny. Like, and it's weird. Like, it, they're definitely books where sometimes they gotta come through other channels. Cause like, I know I don't know if yours was able to make it up here through Diamond, but uh, Monsters definitely wasn't. Cause of yeah, sexual it... content. It's like really, <laughs> it's oh no. <laughs> it's like. I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a book about herpes is sexy. <laughs> Sorry. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> so unfortunate. It's a fabulous These book. Canadians cannot hear about being neurotic about STIs. No way. <laughs> no. Can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> we just cover we just cover our eyes and ears and just pretend it doesn't exist. That right, works, you guys right? don't have herpes up there, right? No, <laughs> not at all. Why is yeah, my mouth so itchy? Um, no context for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just stays at the border. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, thank you so much, Edie. Yeah, thank you again. And um, I hope to meet you again soon. 